Hello and welcome to theway.co.uk for Sunday the 29th of December 2019 and the Sunday op-ed, the opinion editorial, written by the Reverend Verrill Richardson Farkar and read by the Reverend Victor Robert Farrell. The title of this Sunday's op-ed is Migration, the Elephant in the Water and it reads as follows. Peter Buttigieg, another Democratic presidential candidate, mayor of South Bend, a homosexual touting to be the first sodomite president of the United States of America, after he released his national immigration plan, in which he vows to import at least 125,000 refugees in his first year in office, and is also wanting to push Congress to pass a law that bans the United States from admitting any less than 95,000 refugees a year, tweeted this. Today I join millions around the world in celebrating the arrival of divinity on earth who came into this world not in riches but in poverty, not as a citizen but as a refugee. What rubbish and let me tell you why. Let's have a look at Matthew 2 verse 11 where it says, And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense and myrrh. As all royalty would be approached in the east, these kings, these most marvellous magi, opened up their treasure boxes and presented to the greatest king, God over all, the most valuable of their country's then commercial products. No doubt these gifts were emblematic, no doubt. These gifts were prophetic as well, in that they spoke of the purpose and destiny of the tiny little lamb then so sweetly set before them. However, to begin my op-ed today, my question is this. What happened to these valuable treasure gifts? Now, you would agree with me, I am sure, that you don't travel over vast distances with the hope of finding someone you have searched and longed to see without taking with you something of exceptional worth and value. So I assume then that this was pretty expensive stuff that they were giving to the Christ child. Yet I'm not aware of any archaeological searches for the lost gold of Jesus, or the perfume of the Prince of Life, or the missing myrrh of the Messiah. No, these treasure gifts are never spoken of again. Why is that? Well, that old and great commentator, Matthew Henry, gives us a very simple statement that the gifts were essentially money and money's worth, and that's very helpful. You see, in effect, Mary and Joseph were given a universal commodity of exchange. It was the euro or the dollar of the day. Traveller's checks, if you will, and they were going to need it. The verses following in Matthew shows the fearful family fleeing from Herod and hiding in Egypt until his death, before then returning to Israel the long way home. Arriving back in Nazareth, they would start afresh in beginning to support themselves. Now then, all of this coming and going, all of this stopping and starting, all of this ending and beginning, breaking and building, took money. It was a very expensive exercise. I suppose we can then take great encouragement in that the long and expensive journey of the Holy Family of Jesus, Joseph and Mary was very well taken care of by the Father in advance of it happening. My goodness, the father even brought precious provision and finances from afar to ensure the protection and establishment of the family. So where are these treasure gifts today? Well, I would suggest, friends, that they were all, very quickly and very usefully, very well spent. You see, Jesus was not a refugee. He was, along with his family, in fact, in a witness protection program. 
Jesus was a citizen of Israel, registered in Bethlehem, whose family had their own money and means of making the same, and were then further provided for by God Almighty for a two-year sojourn in another part of the Roman Empire, even Egypt, to then return to their country of origin. They travelled legally. They returned promptly, and at no time were they a financial burden upon anyone. Indeed, as I say, they were very well provided for by their Heavenly Father. Jesus was not a refugee, nor an illegal immigrant. No, at best, he was a temporary sojourner until the murdering madness of his own region had passed. Pope Francis made migrants the centrepiece of his Christmas blessing last Wednesday, addressing the topic of immigration a remarkable three times in his 865-word message. Saying, for instance, May the newborn Lord bring light to the people of Africa, where persistent social and political situations often force individuals to migrate, depriving them of a home and family. The pontiff focused on migrants to the estimated 55,000 pilgrims and tourists gathered in St. Peter's Square. Concerning bringing light to the people of Africa, I agree with this statement. Indeed, instead of sending our highly trained military special forces units to build national armies and fighting militias, we should send our best trained engineers to help build power stations and grid systems to fully electrify the continent of Africa. Next, the Pope declared that modern migration is the product of injustice and that migrants often find their efforts impeded by walls of indifference. Though whilst the gates are open, of course, anyone can walk through St. Peter's Square, the Pope's front yard. Nevertheless, the Vatican has been surrounded by very high walls for centuries to both keep the barbarians and the Muslims out. In addition, it also has its own police force and mercenary army in the form of Swiss guards. Maybe the Pope should pull down his own walls and dismiss his own armed security forces. Pope Francis continued, May the Son of God protect and sustain all those who, due to injustices, are forced to emigrate in the hope to secure life. It is injustice that makes them cross deserts and seas that become cemeteries, he may be said in another address, adding that it is injustice that forces them to ensure unspeakable forms of abuse, enslavement of every kind, and torture in inhumane detention camps. Torture? I think not. Look now, when the West, which has destroyed the family, murdered its own unborn, dismissed motherhood, and therefore is now suffering the consequences of a population decrease, whilst having at the same time long since spent the money of the future support of the elderly and all of its own social programmes on its present demands. Yes, when the West finds itself bankrupt of its own people and unable to adequately support the replacement of its own population, it has to fill the vacuum with bodies from abroad, and it seems anybody will do, but especially those bodies who breed well. Some would say that, yes, for many reasons, population replacement is a globalist strategy and invited migrants are a tool of the West to strip continents of their population and replace its own failing one. If that's the case, where do we put all these migrants? Do we simply release them into existing populations? How's that going for Sweden? Even then, some others would say that the Pope is quiet on answering these questions because the Pope is not a nationalist, you see, but rather he's a one-world religion globalist. 
Finally then, the Pope, this last week, presses in on the migrant issue once more in his closing invocation of the blessings of the Christ child upon all the suffering members of our human family, and through our friendship such as it is, may he draw close to the elderly and the lonely, to migrants and the marginalised, and further, The Church is thus called to remind everyone that it is not simply a matter of social or migration questions, but of human persons, of our brothers and sisters, who today are a symbol of all those discarded by the globalised society. Really? The truth is, in his frequent addresses, Pope Francis has made immigration a hallmark of his pontificate, urging nations to open pathways to streamline migration, insisting that it furnishes opportunities for racial mixing. Indeed, very recently Pope Francis presided over the installation of a migrant crucifix in the Vatican, in which he had a migrant life jacket placed on the cross in place of the body of Jesus. We're facing another death caused by injustice, Francis said in his address prior to the unveiling of the crucifix. Yes, because it is injustice that forces many migrants to leave their lands, it is injustice that forces them to cross deserts and suffer abuse and torture in detention camps. There he goes again. It is injustice that rejects them and makes them die at sea. I decided to exhibit this life jacket crucified on the cross to remind us that we must keep our eyes open, keep our hearts open, to remind everyone of the absolute commitment to save every human life, a moral duty that unites believers and non-believers. It is not by blocking their boats that the problem is solved. Oh dear. Listen, at the Tower of Babel, it was God who separated the people into nations, nations divided by language and consequently by geography and culture. This was a good thing, for like the segments of a rotting orange, it isolated the spread of sin and slowed the corruption of humanity and therefore deferred the continued and rebellious plans of the fallen one, in whose hands all the kingdoms of this world have lain at his further disposal for at least the last two thousand years or more. It is also the church who not as an homogenized whole, but rather as redeemed and blood-bought people from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages that shall be gathered to God and clothed in the purity of redeeming white. For sure, God is not British, and his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ the Lord, is a non-white, circumcised Jew. However, God in his sovereignty made me British and also made me corpse-coloured white, and allowed me to speak a language I believe to be very close to his own heart, even English, and that's okay. Oh, don't get triggered here. It is okay to be the colour you are created, and the race you are born in. It is okay. No, it's more than okay. It is delightfully good and right and safe. As developed nations of the so-called first world, quickly turning into a third world, by the way, let us as a group of nations help other nations to become all they can be. However, With controlled immigration, let us maintain our very own national and cultural heritage. And also be sure that with this selective and controlled immigration, that we do not rob and further impoverish other nations of the best of who they are. The elephant in the room of the Brexit vote was immigration. Now it has become the elephant in the waters of the English Channel. And according to the Turkish leader Edrajan, These elephants are going to multiply. It's all going to get a lot worse, and that right quickly. Yes, mass migration is a weapon of war. 
but then it, it always has been. Therefore, unless we have an open and grown-up conversation about these elephants, they shall be turned into a stampeding and deadly destructive herd. The globalists do not want us to have this conversation, and all who begin it seem to be quickly branded as racist right-wing xenophobes and very unchrist-like nationalist bigots. Even so, and to quote Yoda, have it, we must. I am a practical Christian, a pragmatic one even, and believe that we should first take care of our own family, then our own community, then our own nation, and finally others. We have failed to do this. For in some of the strange and continued outcomes of our present immigration and migration policies, we have put asylum seekers and refugees into houses whilst our own indigenous people sleep in the gutters. We have recruited Commonwealth citizens into our armed forces to fight for us, whilst purposeless and once strong indigenous young men with soggy old paper coffee cups set between their wet blanket-covered knees sit mumbling on every high street begging for money. We've put countless refugees into our communities and provided expensive help with language, giving them access to free healthcare, housing, education and support of every kind, whilst many of the offspring of those ancestors who have previously fought and died for the old values and the bright future of our nation are left abandoned, excluded and disenfranchised in their own country. Indeed, our immigration and migration policies have destroyed our nation and laid up such trouble for the future that it would make our ancestors bewail their own past and bloody sacrifices made for their nation's once bright destiny. The King of Heaven was not a refugee. However, the question to be asked is this. Is the political and demonic globalisation of the West, especially through the migration pacts of the United Nations, making our own people refugees in our own countries? I put it to you that it is, and that the current direction of travel could well break our social care system, could burn the idol of our beloved health care system, and plough our Christian heritage and culture into new Islamic ground. Whether this is the judgment of God upon our Christ-rejecting nation is a question for another time. But for now, the direction of travel into our own national destruction is both clear and certain, and those elephants in the room and in the water must needs be talked about, and that right quickly. Well, that opinion editorial was written by the Reverend Verrill Richardson Farquhar. And please note that as with all op-eds, the views expressed do not necessarily reflect those views held by the editorial board of the way and also may not necessarily be based upon the facts of the matter written about, but rather remain solely the opinion of the writer. You can go to theway.co.uk, where when you read the article, you can have your chance to make your comments upon it. Meanwhile, from all of us at The Way, God bless you all. And may we be the first to wish you a very happy new year in 2020.